Hello, and welcome to the Casually Profound Podcast. I'm Lauren McLean, your host, and here to bring you conversations with friends about how we apply spiritual concepts into our everyday lives. Mm. I'm joined today by Rachel Renee and Kaya Ture, two fabulous women. Um, Rachel, I met on the interwebs, um, and I've been stalking her for a while uh, on Instagram. Very stalkable. <laughs> yes. And after the last time she was on the podcast, she messaged me and I was like, I think you might like Kaya. She's kind of cool. And then Kaya and I got on a FaceTime and talked for like four hours straight. So <laughs> naturally, I felt we needed to all come on here and giggle profusely together. Um, so that is our mission today is to have fun, keep things light and uh, enjoy whatever comes up. So hello and welcome, ladies. Hi. Good to be back. <laughs> Good to have you back. Um, I just want to give you guys a chance to introduce yourselves, however you would like to be seen, however you'd like to be witnessed today. Um, Kaya, would you like to take us away? I sure would. Uh, what's up, y'all? I am Kaya Tura. I am a sacred musician and a sacred performer as well as a healer. You walk your beautiful fine ass up to me. When you're ready to meet your soul and you're ready to be in union and in connection with your soul, we get real heart centered, we connect, we go into the formless realms, and then we go and find all the little bits and pieces of you that are like, no, I'm scared. And we just love them right back into oneness. So then you just live your dreams. You just live your dreams, baby. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt, Miss Rachel. Oh, I don't have as eloquent as an intro, but I would say I am, yeah, internet. I try to be like an internet uh, memer, comedian, slash. Um, I work in in tech. I uh, use, use this big old Aquarius brain all day. Um, and then I'm trying to um, just dive deeper into my practice of um, doing psychic readings with the addition of additional language of tarot and um i am trying to develop right now a more trauma-informed approach to tarot readings because i think a lot of the language could be adjusted to um you know take a lot of the the shame and and fear out of it so that's Mm -hmm. what i'm working on right now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i really want to know what do you like, what do you love about tarot? I just, I love when you read, your voice goes into this very, it's like your prophetic voice. And I just, y'all get stuff from her, please. <laughs> and I just want to know why you love it so much. I'd love to hear that, babe. Oh, I think that I have such a love relationship with it because it was honestly the kind of the big piece that allowed me permission to have, you know, what we want to call my official awakening. Um, You know, I've been, I was a very psychic and telepathic little kid, but that was very much um, discouraged in the, the bubble that I grew up in. So around the time that I was having like my kind of, you know, spiritual awakening slash mental breakdown, it was, like the thing that I turned to just to know that there was something outside of myself that was, that was listening, that was actually, you know, the the things that I was feeling 
were being reflected in the cards and it kind of, you know, freaked me out a little bit, but it was also that confirmation of like, okay, I'm, I might be, you know, quote, you know, look like I'm losing it on the outside, but there is, Mm. there's some confirmation here that something outside of myself. And especially at that time, I would probably consider myself to be pretty, you know, atheist or agnostic. So I just felt like there was no purpose in anything slash no one else listening. So I think that's where my love relationship started with, with the deck of cards. (laughs) Damn, that's beautiful. I can totally relate to that. Mm -hmm. And do you read within the Rider Waite tradition? Um, I, I try to read, like, I have a couple of things that I reference, but I mostly read into like more intuitively. Um, and I try to read things from, um, love, love career finances based on the question being asked. And that that's been really helpful too. Cause a lot of times, you know, it's, it, it can still stir up fear, you know, when you see like a certain card and you're like, fuck, that's not what I wanted. But then if you try to see, see it from a different, almost like category or lens, I'm like, okay, well from finances, this tower makes sense. You know, like Mm -hmm. I might not, I might not be having like a complete tower moment in everything in my life, but finances. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'm definitely, um, I wouldn't say that I am like, you know, classically trained, but, um, I'm finding, I'm trying to find a new way to, to read it in general. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. I fucking love it. Just, just (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. The, like one of the cards that's been following me lately has been a four of wands reversed. And like mm. four of wands upright is like the celebration. It's a marriage. It's a um, like a victory lap kind of thing, but in a way of joining things and um, and like creating a solid foundation. And so to see it reversed, I've just for a few days in a row, I was just like, don't reverse yeah. this. Like don't. Yeah. And then I like read a different interpretation of it. And I was like, oh, okay. It's chill. It just right. literally means, it just literally means that you're not stationary. And I was like, well, duh, like super not stationary right now. Um, <laughs> And so anyways, it was, but that's a perfect example of how it can like, it it can instill fear because it can also be like, is there something that I'm not missing or is it a, a warning? And then, so that is, I'm still trying to navigate that too. And how to like language that in a, in a way when I'm, you know, giving sessions to, to strangers, because I certainly don't want, and I also don't want to assume that I'm an authority over, you know, just because I'm giving them a reading that I am seeing something secretive or whatever in the cards, like they are probably going to know if I just give them a little bit more language. Mm -hmm. But that's a perfect example of how it could be like, you just draw it and you're like, fuck, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's how I felt with tarot. I tried it, I think twice and I, I just, I never really felt called to tarot. That was never really my music. And 
it was also in my beginning stages of my awakening, like looking for the Oracle cards, not ready to trust what I'm receiving, like terrified of all the beings showing up in my room, like help me. And I take, I read the, the little booklet, <laughs> I take the cards. I'm like flipping everything upside down and shuffling it. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be good. I'm so excited. And then I, I, uh, do the spread. <laughs> and I got so scared. I was like, hey, Daryl, this is <laughs> just like scorned it off for the rest of my life. But I do, I mean, I definitely have respect for the ancient alchemy of it. And I think it really does take a specific, I don't know, like a, there's something very specific about like genuine tarot readers, not to say that all tarot readers are not genuine. We all are on different uh, spots in our journey and they're all relevant and important. Uh, And there is a place that you get to that I've noticed with some tarot readers that I've um, wanted to learn from that there's just this calming energy Mm. that comes to regardless of what the spread is, you know, it's everything is, uh, not cushioned, but it's, it's gentle. It's like, it's okay. Like, even if it's scary, it's still okay. It's not the way that you're perceiving the scariness or whatever, you know, I think that is so powerful in tarot because yeah, tarot is like Kali Durga shit, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That can be. I'm curious, Kai, do you have a equivalent tool that you use in your exploration of self? Yeah, I just go in. I go into my inner world and I just do work. I, when I was younger, I, I also was born open and very empathic. And so I was seeing all kinds of beings and um, spirits And no one knew how to handle that because I grew up, I was raised in a very uh, specific Christian upbringing um, to each their own. You find all the love that you want wherever you need it, as long as it's helpful. And I, it didn't work for me and it kind of made me uh, scared of my gifts and my openness and awareness. And so I, tried to get rid of it, didn't work at all. <laughs> then the deeper awakening happens and I realized I just needed to work with very specific mentors that I trusted uh, to help me trust and speak with the beings that came in. You know, I had uh, Galactic Federation members coming to visit me way before I knew who the Galactic Federation was and what they were. And... Now I, I just have to spend at least half an hour every day just going inward, opening up, receiving, eating some humble soup. So I don't think that I know everything going in already. And then masters will step forward. I'm currently working with the beloved Sri Yukteswar, who is um, an absolutely amazing, amazing guru. And um, I'm also working with the Serafina. And 
I sit and I receive and they just give me information about what I need to bring through, what needs to birth through me musically, um, who I need to, what I need to say to who that day. It's, it's just a whole surrendered process, just living in complete surrender and acknowledging and having respect for the fact that I am so open and letting what needs to come through me, come through me. And I just have to go in and check, Hey, am I okay? (laughs) Hey, should I be doing this? The best is when you never get an answer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and they're just like, you're fine. So yeah, that's just me speaking with the masters, going in, seeing who shows up and working with them. And then my mentors help me uh, keep that line clear. And then that helps me in sessions with people and lots of being step forward for everybody. It's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ooh. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, do you use journaling to help like crystallize those messages or are you literally just sitting kind of in a, almost like a meditative state and just conversing in your head with, um, that, with those beings? Yeah, I sit and I converse, um, um, in my inner world and I usually, yeah, I usually go into the formless to speak because that's where they be and, Sometimes if it's really important, they'll like bring me out of it so that I can write it down (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because Mm -hmm. otherwise it's really hard to remember. Yeah. But most of the time they don't really require you to remember it because if you come out of it, your ego will just take hold and like rip it apart. So, Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you guys have both spoken very poignantly about these tools that you use and I've definitely found myself questioning in the last few days here over the over the Aquarius new moon um kind of what these tools literally do and I mean Rachel you put it really poignantly how um tarot helped pull you out of that like kind of hopeless place and um because I I kind of took stock of my life as well and realized like I don't have I haven't had a daily practice in a long time I used to have a daily practice um with tarot and with oracle decks and that kind of thing and um found it really helpful in those seasons to be kind of a direction of like self-inquiry and stuff like that um but I have really found a practice that is like deeply consistent like I love the language of astrology and tarot and I find that they correlate to each other so easily and naturally um, cause they, I mean, they literally do, but, um, the, like this language that we use to describe our experiences, whether that be the language of tarot or astrology or messages from guides or that kind of thing. I'm curious how you guys perceive the value of that in your life now, having, now that mm. you have that like lexicon in your life, um, and you can operate on a day-to-day basis with that, kind of knowledge in you how, what, what does that give you now on this side of the equation mm-hmm. I would have to say peace just okay. like I wouldn't say unshakable but pretty close to it um I before 
I used to have really bad anxiety. Sometimes it still ups every now and again, rears its head. But I would have the thoughts run rampant, horrifically rampant. I would be frozen to my bed. There was a period where I didn't even leave my house for like two years. It was rough. And I realized the more I started going in, the more I started choosing to listen to my soul and not the programmed rhetoric that as humans we are, we naturally succumb to. The thoughts of not good enough, not whatever enough, irresponsible, all of the self-deprecating judgmental thoughts. Every single human being on this planet has it. It is programmed in the air. It's a program though. It's not real. It is a program. And not not that that makes it any easier. <laughs> and when I started going inwards and sitting and getting quiet and just listening and receiving from my soul, I started being able to notice and pick up on the difference when I was letting the rhetoric say that it was me and when I was actually in my rooted goddess self. Mm. It's like the difference between your mind language and the stuff your brain creates and then the stuff that your like heart and soul is giving you. Exactly. And learning that distinction. The Mm -hmm. true self, the soul self. That's the self that I, that I work from. That's the self that I align with. And the buzzing gets more and more, almost like comical, like I'll be standing in the mirror or something and a thought of, oh, fuck, that looks so gross. I'll look at something on my face or something and the thought of like, oh, that looks so gross will come up. And I'm like, who said that? (laughs) Like, that's not me. I don't think like that. Who said that? And we all have those thoughts. I mean, the world is really good at profiting off of those thoughts. (sighs) Yeah. And and so when I go inwards, I solidify the connection to my true self, to my soul self. And that gives me peace. So when things around me start rocking and shaking and getting knocked over or people that I really love are suffering and I can't do anything but love them from where I stand, that peace is what saves me and it's humbling. And so it's shifted my whole life completely from judgment and gossiping and, and just, and just wanting to be in separation and comparison. I shifted to compassion and curiosity. Like you said, at the beginning of the podcast, you know, it's so, so powerful and so humbling. I can't stop using that word because fuck, it really is. It's such an honor. And yeah, that gave me that peace. It's inner peace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly couldn't agree more with you with my own experiences. Rachel, what has it been like for you? It has been, it's funny because I always, I can feel when I'm using the tools out of prediction or, or fear, 
using the, I want to use the tool to have almost like a, a comfort and it can also serve as like confirmation bias. I know like, uh, Lauren, you and I spoke a little bit about the, the spread that I did for myself on new year's. And instead of like having this, Oh, this is how your 2023 will be. It was like, <laughs> it was just like, Hey asshole, here's all of your unconscious fears that are still, um, that are still in there. So how dare you like, you know, come at this deck with, with, um, you know, not being clear or, you know, trying to, um, I don't know, trying to not trust. So it's right now I I'm actually struggling with how my daily practice would look as well, because I'm getting the message that I'm actually not allowed to use tarot every day for myself. Like I, because I am being asked to surrender and trust because I have so many, um, I'm just struggling with a lot of self-trust um, mm-hmm. because I feel like I have, you know, the, the programming or the world has made me feel like I have failed in so many ways. Um, that they're kind of like, yeah, you need to just like lay off for, for a second. So <laughs> I am in the process of, um, like right now it just feels like I've taken what I've learned from the tools and I'm in this, like, that was my training ground. And now I'm integrating how those tools are actually going to be real life changes, real life fluctuations in if we want to call it the 3d. Um, so yeah, I'm, but I do feel like I still need like a daily something, you know, like a daily check-in, whether that's a, a guided meditation or just an hour of, you know, crying on the floor from stress. I mean, (laughs) so I don't know. I know you, you posed the question, um, Lauren, so I'm curious to see how you are with, like, where you are with that, too. Mm. The, it's, I've been through, I've been through what both of you guys have described. So with different tools and stuff that I've brought online, I've definitely been the person who has sought out 16 different things and Mm. thrown out 13 of them and like that kind of thing. And so, and I really started picking up tools, I would say in like 2015 in earnest. And, um, so I've tried things like Reiki and Oracle cards and tarot and um, astrology and Akash records and different intuitive healing and like blah, blah, blah. And with this, the one that I would say that I feel the most connected to is astrology. And um, the I've noticed astrology and Akashic records are two of the big ones for me. And I've noticed that when I like I've gone through different stages with them. So I'll learn a, learn a chunk um, through reading, through a course, through some kind of, you know, kind of more formal method. Mm -hmm. I'll learn about what it is and then get really excited about it. And I'm like talking about it and applying it and regurgitating it. And it's often from that place of like, I'm just re-giving you what I have put in my mind space. And I'm just learning how to reference um, the written file. And then after a while, what, in, what has invariably happened to me over and over again is that it gets like uninstalled from my brain. Mm, that yeah. I very rarely have the ability to yes. like disengage myself. And so the 
because I often get obsessive about these things that I'm excited about. And so it's almost like my guides just like uninstall the program overnight one night. Um, I'm certainly I've told this story before, but the there was with one of my astrology phases, I was working in retail at the time. And I would talk about it with anybody who would stand still long enough. And um, so, and then one day, one of my coworkers comes up to me and she's like, yeah, I'm kind of like considering moving, but like, I'm not really unsure. Like, what do you think like the astrology would say about this? Like, would this work for me? I was kind of like, I don't fucking know. Why are you asking me? And she's like, are you like, what? Is this a joke? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and she's like, you literally talk about this shit all the time. And I was like, well, like, I can look it, I can look it up for you. I know where the website is. And so I looked it up and I was, I was like looking at the chart and looking at the stuff. I was like, <laughs> I like said some shit and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> There's nothing here. There's nothing. Mm. And but then what ends up happening is that after it kind of gets after a period, whether it's a month or a year or three weeks or whatever it is it's usually a longer period it kind of gets reinstalled but it's very different it's not from that mental mm. um point it's more of it's a true soul knowing at that point and so mm. then I can riff and I can make connections um to new places to something beyond what I was taught and it comes from a place of real inner authority because it's been through that whole cycle there's a cycle of like mental outer inner and then like twer- like twisting and and I think it's from after that whole cycle that where the peace really I really find that peace in it, um, mm-hmm. because it's not the the credibility comes from a different place and it comes from my ability to speak on it, and so I feel much more confident to just open my mouth and let whatever comes out, and um. And so then in using those tools for myself, I find that it still goes through that same process, right? Like the, it's, it's interesting when I try and apply tarot or astrology or that kind of thing on myself, I notice it still goes through that in like mental, outer, inner twisting, knowing. Um, But when I am once I have accumulated the knowledge and once it has gone through the cycle and it just lives as something inside of me that I can touch on and reference and that kind of thing, it feels like an aspect of myself that I get to kind of use as a touchstone or a cornerstone as I go about my day and that kind of thing, right? So like, um, I think something like the tarot, for instance, has taught me how to ask questions. Um, mm. Or astrology, too, is similar in this way that you ask questions of your chart and, and you investigate things within your charts. And um, so really that method of inquiry has been an important takeaway for me. And that method of asking questions and mm-hmm. knowing when to dive and push in on myself and knowing when to just ease up and let whatever flow out needs to flow out. Um, that is the process that I think results in the most joy and peace and that kind of thing for me. Um, and so it's interesting. Yeah. I've definitely been questioning the value of having those tools in my life and maybe I just needed this to have the, thought of like why why it actually is important to me right to have that kind of knowledge because I'm Aquarius sun Virgo rising and so and my Mercury is in Aquarius also it's like 
in the sixth house. So it's still like Aquarius Virgo energy. Um, Me too. mm -hmm. And, um, so it's so cerebral, like it's really hard to, to get out of that cerebral. Yeah. Like, I mean, like even yesterday, like Kai, I was FaceTiming with you and I had to like, I was verbalizing what I was doing and, um, it was honestly so much harder because I knew it was only living at the mental level. And I knew that I needed to operate at like one of my other levels. But when I was talking, I couldn't access the the other levels because it was just coming in and out at that mental Mm -hmm. level. It's so interesting. And I mean, I fucking love my big ass Aquarian brain and I love having the mental capacity to process 18 things at once. (laughs) And also sometimes a bitch just wants to be in her fucking pussy and just like live for the feeling. And fuck, say it again. (laughs) Say it again. (laughs) Right? Like, God. Like, we need to like switch a little bit. I yeah. need to take some of that and I'll just like bring you all. We can just have like a Chris party. Take some of it. I did it especially. <sighs> man, especially with that uh, Virgo piece. It's just like this mm-hmm. boom. <laughs> like, yes. No yes. softness. Is, the softness exacting. is not available. You really have to dig for it. So. Well, and also to make matters more interesting on my end is I have Pluto aspects to my stuff in Saturn uh, or stuff in, well, yeah, Saturn, Aquarius, um, like to Mercury and Saturn and that kind of thing. I have Pluto aspects to that, which just adds even more sharpness. Yeah. Um, Because like Pluto comes for blood always. Sky daddy blood. (laughs) (laughs) For anybody else who's listening who has no idea what's going on. I am with you. <laughs> oh man, I love listening to Lauren speak astrology. <laughs> I know it's like boop bop. This is one of said Pluto. Pluto is a planet. <laughs> it still is, is right? Yeah. Or they tried to kick it out. Okay, so Mercury was red. What's actually really (laughs) fucking interesting is that astrology is actually based on seven planets. So it was the Western astrology, which is what I practice, not Vedic or um, the 13th house or blah, 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 Um, which probably make more sense. But anyways, I'm with Western astrology right now. And the... um, it was originally developed based on the planets you could see with the naked eye. And so it's only Mercury through oh, wow. Jupiter. And so Jupiter, is Saturn farther out? I forget. Um, my very energetic mother just... I forget. Um, <laughs> I feel like I need to know that acronym. Like it's my very energetic mother just ordered nine pizzas. That's, but that's not right. I, 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 that one got installed incorrectly. Hmm? It's the acronym. What'd you say? Did you say pizza? I did. Okay. So. Okay. I was like, is this like a new word? (laughs) No, it's the acronym to remember the order of the planets. Because it's Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars. My very energetic mother. Jupiter, Saturn. What's the acronym? I, I honestly don't know. This has just been a clip <laughs> of me to. completely butchering it. Oh, um, okay. She's processing the 
trying to figure I, like, it out. I like learned it when I was like in grade three and didn't know a fucking thing about the planets. And so I was like, yeah, this is the acronym. And then learned the planets. And I was like, oh, oh, I was not listening correctly. <laughs> And now I've ever had like no ability to ch- change what got memorized. Permanently <laughs> memorized wrong in your brain. Yep. <laughs> that happens to me not infrequently. Um, but anyways, okay. So Western astrology was originally based on the planets you could see with the visible eye. And so it only went to Saturn. Um, and then telescopes were invented and we discovered Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. Mm. And so then those three got added into Western astrology. And so um, the lot, some... Uh, houses, some planets and signs and stuff like that, like Aquarius, for instance, was traditionally ruled by Saturn. And then when they added the new planets, they changed it to, I think it's Neptune is, is, uh, nope, it's Uranus. I think it's Uranus, right? It's Uranus. Um, It's Uranus. And then sometimes I have to say it and realize that I got it wrong. And then I'm like, oh, no, it's this thing. And so, yes, so it's actually this Uranus, but it's actually Saturn. So it's a whole thing. So you say, that is Pluto even a planet anymore? Pluto was never a planet. Pluto was never like part of the scene until some man was like, oh, look at this shiny thing. And then um, added it in and now we still talk about it. So (laughs) who the fuck knows? Literally who the fuck knows? Oh my God. I'm literally like a four-year-old child right now. Every time you say, <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not that funny. You're an adult, guy. Oh, you're laughing at Uranus. Uranus. Just, just, and as some <laughs> lovingly say, Uranus. You know. Just. Thank you. I feel like because you're saying it, Uranus. <laughs> I was specifically saying it, Uranus. I know. <laughs> I had to like, did you see the mental switch where I was I like, know. gonna say it, Uranus? Say um, Uranus, say it, Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> because that's another thing that I just memorized in grade three was that it's Uranus. <laughs> in my Catholic Yay. private school. That was oh, how, that was how. <laughs> that is also one of my big struggles with astrology is not it's not a struggle for me. It's a struggle for anybody who's literally around me. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, Pluto, obviously it's like this, like this, like this. And I'm like listing off the angles and I'm listing off all this technical shit. And people are like in English. And I was like, yeah, doesn't that make sense to you? And they're like, Lauren. And they're like, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> know, it just makes sense to me. And I have, I'm working on my ability to, to, to translate. Oh, listening it's so beautiful watching someone talk about stuff they love it's just like it is just everything about it the energy the sound oh my gosh the sound sound is my every information carrier so just listening to you talk and like your joys i'll do it sign me up (laughs) (laughs) speaking of the music and sound i'd love to hear more about your music kaya and how that all works for you Mm. Um, well, let me let you in, sister. I, it starts out the same way. When I do my meditations, I go in and I ask for what needs to be received, what the collective is wanting, or rather who will be hearing it needs, what they need. And then I create, I sit and I find a sound and I, uh, infiltrate it with light language and yeah, it's a really incredible, powerful process. And it's just like, oh my God, I could do it forever. It's so, 
there's just so much erosa, you know what I mean? A passion. And it just gets into your loins and it's very um, life force energy evoking. And we have, uh, you know, our, the first lens, I guess, at least for most people, um, when we're introduced to life force energy is sex, is physical sex is the, when we hear intimacy, we think uh, touching, kissing, arousal. And um, that is true. It is an aspect of life force energy. That is one way that we can uh, have an outlet for it, let it flow. Um, But it is not the only way. It's just a way. And my music, it feels weird even saying my music because it's just what is birthed through me, um, that helps ignite that arousal, that uh, passion and life force energy in you without needing the filter of the physical act of sex. Uh, Because it is a very, 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 very powerful energy. It is the easiest way Uh, especially in the beginning stages, to meet yourself, to feel the truth of who you are, your real divinity, that juicing, juicy fucking, like, oh, I want to rip something to pieces energy. Because you're just primal and you're letting it all flow through you and that opens you up. And then the light language and the codes come in so that, and that opens up doorways and pathways to the parts of you that have been sitting out waiting for you, hoping you'll hear them, hoping you'll find them. And they just run the fuck straight in. So it's, um, it's, it's the individual sessions I do just on a much, much bigger scale. And, uh, it's a mixture of EDM and mainstream music and very, very powerful uh, spiritual awakening codes and embodiment and just all that juicy goodness. And um, as I channel it, it just grows bigger and deeper and more powerful, which is actually very, whew, sometimes your girl don't know she ready. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I get, um, every time I go to make a new track, I'm called to go even deeper into the parts of myself that are afraid to present with conviction and uh, rooted in that knowingness and that truth of who I am, because that is what is required for me to deliver this music, for me to uh, put the performing arts aspect to it. It's a whole brand new system that is being presented to me. Like you said, like we were talking about, I don't know, one of the nights, how it leaves. It has to just leave for a while so that your body can filter um, and process it and store it where it feels good and where it needs to be stored. Because when I, I started with music and performing and all of that stuff from a very young age. And then it just left for a while because, you know, life happened hard. Yeah. <laughs> and I just thought I had to give it up, you know, made as much peace with it as I could and off I went. And then, it, and then the more connected with my soul I became, the more connected with my awareness I became, the more I was being asked to bring, to bring this back 
And I realized, yeah, it needed to take space. It needed to be away for that long because I was only learning it through everybody else's lenses. And those lenses are so powerful. They're so strong because artists have conviction, whether they truly believe it or not, when they're on and they're presenting, there's conviction. Okay. There's confidence. There's unshakable. There's, you don't fuck with me. I know what the fuck I'm doing. Energy. And that lens is really hard to learn from and then separate them from (laughs) and then bring in what's yours. And I needed to take space from that. And, uh, and now she in the studio, baby, she's doing it. (laughs) And it's amazing and calls me out of all my comfort zones, like fire. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I'm excited. I'm nervous and I'm excited and just, uh, honored. And every time the fear stops me, I just kind of remind myself that it's actually really not about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I made choices and I came in with responsibility and that's what I'm going to do. We're in it together, you know, and this is my medicine that I'm here to bring. And it's my responsibility to do that. Damn. It sounds like, it sounds like we all have kind of had this, these clarification moments of how we can use these tools slash our joy, you know, like how they, it sounds like we've all realized like how they came in, when they came in, how we can navigate it with like that, you know, the fact that we actually have to, you know, live a, you know, a life in this Western world or whatever, and then integrate them back in and, give them back out it's it's really beautiful Mm -hmm. and I feel like as you've hit the nail on the head and I feel like this year you know everybody picks like a word for the year I have often thought this is like gauche and that I don't want to do this and then this year this word kept like fucking smacking me on the head being like pick me pick me pick me I'm the word and it's like I don't want a word and it's like this is your word and it's like okay fine and so (laughs) my word for the year is melding and it's taking all of that to another level right because like (laughs) I have very typically been like this is my astrology person like this is my this is my astrology persona this is my like tarot persona this is my like artist persona this is my like accountant persona and like you know what I mean and so and never the twain shall meet and um right at the end of last calendar year I had an epiphany I don't know if it was a chat I been just a straight up channeled message vision realization I forget how it came about but um the it just all of a sudden clicked of like oh these are all becoming one this Mm. is all presenting through the same lens now this is all coming from the same spot and um I think part of it might have been through this uh one art project that I pitched um I applied for a residency which I didn't get which is fine the um but the, the art project was to paint ports to the Zodiac signs. And it was as I was putting that together and realizing how much like research I would have to do, but then also how much like intuitiveness I would have to be doing and all the things, it, um, that idea of melding really took hold and really bringing all of those things together. Um, yeah, instead of letting them live separately within me. Oof. Yeah. That. And that can be 
that can be really beautiful slash difficult too when if these different if you have different you know parties or expectations from each one of those like labels like some people can be Mm -hmm. like oh I would never expect you to be into astrology or whatever you know Mm -hmm. so that melding is it just feels so like that there would be like a congruency you know Mm -hmm. that you could just live from that default that's really beautiful Mm -hmm. I want a word (laughs) I'm sure if I sit with it I'll get one but or just avoid it and then it'll come and chase you (laughs) okay that's probably what will actually happen (laughs) at my um acupuncture appointment um recently he did say the the key here is soften so I think (laughs) soften might be my word that I think that might be mine that's a good one the that's definitely (laughs) you need to soften the fuck up or you're gonna (laughs) and it's like also what the fuck do you think I'm paying you for why do you why do you think I'm here like do it (laughs) yeah he did he did soften me um I went somewhere else so (laughs) You feel, you do feel soft to me. Mm-hmm. I, it's so opposite. You guys are, I know the Aquarius-ness is very like, <clears throat> what do you mean? <laughs> Just flat, <laughs> flat, flat, flat. But I, can you explain it to me more maybe? Because to me, I feel, I feel the softness. I mean, Rach, you might as well just be like clouds. Like you're so <laughs> soft. You're so gentle. And um, I mean, you sent me a text saying that you would like sing sweet nothings to me when I was upset, Lo. Like, how are you guys? Uh, you guys are so soft. <laughs> but we also need to put into perspective here that you are a Virgo sun. Um, and so like you, you you you're in the same range of vocabulary as we are um the um but the aquariusness okay so the aquarius softness comes from the kind of broader perspective the way that i've understood it is that aquarius is less about the one-on-one connection and more about seeing a broader picture a broader picture of society a broader picture of how even mm-hmm. so like when I t- even even if I even if we're in a one-on-one scenario if there's a level of compassion coming through it is typically f- like being understood through a lens of a larger pattern or a larger picture that kind of thing um, whereas somebody like cancer will say is very one-on-one that's a hundred percent right here two inches from each other yeah. kind of intimacy mm-hmm. um and also with the influence so with astrology there's the names of the houses obviously they have different characteristics but each house has an element and a direction assigned to it um and so aquarius is air um mm-hmm. it, the symbol is a water bear so lots of people think it's a water sign it's super duper not um it's an air sign um And what's interesting is that the story of Aquarius, the actual mythology of where that name and everything comes from and where the water bearer comes from is on Mount Olympus in Greek mythology. Um, The 
there the gods had a human who was enchanted i believe to be immortal and he literally served wines to the gods he was so beautiful um that the gods were like fuck we need one of him and so they uh brought him up to mount olympus and he was literally the water bearer he served wine to all the gods but being human he was looking around the gods at mount olympus and was like fuck these guys these guys suck. They have all of this wealth and knowledge and beauty and like all everything you could ever want. And humanity is down there suffering like so bad. And mm. these guys up here are like, like what don't even notice. They don't care. They're not doing anything about it. And so he got pissed off and I forget precisely what the story is, but he, it was something like he um, served them he served them like sleeping potion instead of wine one night and like took something from them or like gave their gifts to humanity, that kind of thing. And so this story of Aquarius is actually like this archetype is actually about seeing the bigger picture through a lens of beauty and compassion. Um, and it's, but it's not a personal thing, right? Like that story mm -hmm. of the person who was the original water bearer, he's not thinking about himself. It's not his well-being it's not his um however it is his moral lens that is taking the the front seat in that and that's where the sharpness of Aquarius can come from and where that sharpness of the analysis comes from um because depending obviously on other placements that like moral rightness can be quite affronting and because of the Aquarius Saturnian mm -hmm. nature the Saturn will help set the rules for society. And so an Aquarius with the right combination of placements can often feel entitled to set their own rules for society. And so if they have a desire to live outside of what is currently being accepted by society, um, it can be very abrasive. Um because they're they they have the they think they it's easy for them to think they have the moral high ground mm -hmm. and it's easy for them to think that they have mm -hmm. analyzed everything that could be analyzed and they see all of the things that can be seen um but there's very obviously a blind spot right um because i mean there even could be blind spots pointed out in the um mount olympus story right like in the original archetype and so in so aquarius it is compassionate, but because of that air signness to it. Oh, the other thing is that um, Aquarius is a fixed sign, so there's cardinal, fixed, and mutable. Um, cardinal energies like to start things; they like to start things off. Aries is a cardinal; they like to be explosive and start things and not finish things. Aquarius are uh, fixed <laughs> signs, like an Aquarius likes to see things through, and so there can be this like oh dogged God. energy of an Aquarius when they have a path or a thing they're doing it's like this is what we're this is we're going um and so if they have set that sight on caring for someone it can be quite relentless in that pursuit um whereas a mutable sign I think Gemini is one of the famous mutable signs I could be getting that wrong but um the the their energy is the purpose of it is to flip-flop. The purpose of it is to shift and change and move and everything through a thing. So Aquarius is not like that. Aquarius is steadfast and steady and moves through and goes to completion in the same size and the same shape that it came in with. And so um, that's again where that like abrasiveness of an Aquarius can come in is because you get on your high horse and you stay there. Um, and God complex. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It can be Which there. Is, different than a god complex than like Sagittarius could easily 
easily, 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 easily is susceptible to a God complex as well. Um, but they're a <laughs> fire sign and I forget what direction they are, but, um, they're a fire sign. So it comes, it comes across in a very different way, right? It, it there is more of that emotionalness. And so in that sense, people, it is common, like that, um, passion and stuff like that is commonly received better by people when it comes on an emotional level. Whereas that Aquarius compassion often comes on that kind of mental level. Um, and so it's, it can be received differently by different people. Right. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. And my, and on jumping off of that in like a, I guess a more helpful or positive way is like, maybe you feel the softness because like when I'm in it uh, with somebody, like I am in it, like, because I've decided, you know, like this is, this is going to be a ride or die situation. And like, unless something like, and we also being fixed as well, like we, it's gonna, it would take a lot to, you know, switch up that dynamic. Like it would take like a, basically a complete betrayal for us to say I'm out. So like Mm -hmm. a lot of the the fixed signs will just like be your, it's just the loyalty and like the, we are in this, like, and that's, I think that's how we, that's how we can kind of compensate for not being as like initially like, you know, sweet, squishy teddy bears is that we're like, you know, we might not be able to be very floral or like very, you know, lofty in our, in our communications with, with people, maybe like a different sign, but like we will, Mm -hmm. we're there and Mm -hmm. we aren't going to go away unless you explicitly say like, I need you to go. (laughs) The loyalty of an Aquarius is a, is a fucking different breed. Yeah. Yeah. Tell you that for free. (laughs) Tell you all this for free. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) What did you say to me the other day? You were like, you're like something on a bike. And I'm like, where the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The saying is Christ on a bike. Yeah, it's fucking brilliant. On the G Willikers stick and a half. The, um, that comes from a book I read recently. Uh, it's this dark romance oh book. It's gosh. fucking brilliant. I cannot recommend it enough. It's called Blood Orange by Karina Halley. She's a Canadian author. Wait, so what good. is it about? What What is it? It's a dark fantasy romance. Ooh. Girl, don't even get yes. me started. Okay. The, I'm not um, even gonna do that. <laughs> Karina Halley, ladies and gentlemen, for your dark fantasy romance. It's so good. Are you going to put it in the description? I absolutely okay. can. Okay. I love it that I much. Would, I would love to see that. She's just, she's a Kindle author. And so like you mm-hmm. get her stuff on Kindle Unlimited. Um, but the series that I'm talking about where the Christ in a bike comes from um, is, it's called Blood Orange. It's one of two. The second book isn't out yet, which kills me, but you know, she'll get it out when she gets it out. And, um, but the, it's a retelling of the Dracula story. It's fucking top shelf shit. It is top shelf. 
I mean, the sex scenes alone are great, but the like there's actually like a plot and stuff like that. I love it. Anyways, she has this other series called The Underworld Gods. And um, the coolest thing is she makes a Spotify playlist for each of her books. And so like at the beginning of the book, there's a link to the playlist. Okay, I think we might actually be talking, thinking about the same author. Sorry, keep talking. Okay, because, um, and so like the playlists for these Underworld Gods books are so good. So they're based on North, they're based on Norse mythology um, of the underworld and the gods and stuff that go along with Uh the Norse underworld. And it's, but it's this like dark fantasy romance between the god of death and this like human chick who oh my (laughs) it is premium shit and then like with the playlist is also phenomenal um oh my god it's so good stop oh damn it are you thinking of the same author no it's not I just I thought she just came out the author that I was thinking of I thought she just came out with a new book and I was like oh my god my life makes sense um I know (laughs) This author, this that I'm talking about, this Karina Halley, she had a, she's had two or three books that were set to be released, like between like this winter kind of thing, and she's had to push back all the release dates. Which, like, respect to her, she has her reasons. I also just love the characters that she's written, and so you're ready, you're ready for it. I think I'm going to reread them. Actually, <laughs> I actually don't want to be with the characters that much. <sighs> it's so good. It's so good. It's like I used to feel guilty about it that I felt that that got me excited that I wanted to read like the dark twisted shit. But after a while, and especially after working with people, I'm like, nah, we all got it. (laughs) We all got it. And it's just because of the world we live in that everyone is like shamed into, this is what you're supposed to look like and think and feel and blah, 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 blah. But like, we all got the dirty, nasty, filthy, my friend. (laughs) We do. And it's just once you let yourself, sorry, once I let myself be free in that, oh my gosh. (laughs) It's so liberating and exciting. And it's like, where are all the toys? Let's get weird. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. It's so much fun. Just like, but then I also thought, because when you're reading the books, they have, um, it's usually the ones that I (laughs) choose, like they're very dark and there's like murder and sex and all these things. And um, usually it's the guy who's basically just like, like a, like the, a man version of a wolf, like a, just a werewolf. And he's just like blood and what is love? (laughs) And then the woman is like, Oh my gosh, I don't even know how to stand. And, (laughs) And they're like, they meet each other. And the and the evil and the evil dude is like, Oh, you made me so mad, but I can't look away. And then, the woman is like, oh my gosh, I'm terrified of you, but I think I could change. <laughs> they all, they get together and it's this hot, steamy, like, thing of her saving and fixing him and bringing him back into love. And she's just forever protected because she's got this fucking demon with her all the time who just gives the best dick. And... <laughs> 
Demon I'm like, dick. Woo. and when I go into it, I mean, I have to stop. Okay. I have to stop like three, four times reading sesh just to be like, okay, let me just take care of my pussy's <laughs> needs right now. Babe. <laughs> and yes. then, but I have to remind myself that I don't give in to the programming that is in this book because it is the <laughs> old classic programming of like, oh, I need a man to save me. Where are my feet? And yes, um, the guy being like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> that's it, basically. The part that always and like keeps the reality. The part that always keeps the reality check for me is when the girls are like, no, I would never go with you. Like, you're a bad guy. <laughs> what person ever? I know. Maybe I'm just too much of a yes man because I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know. There's been plenty of times in my life where I like look around at my like corporate nine to five and I'm like, when can I just start my life of crime? Uh, this is boring. Uh, yes. Is there a mafia that needs like a runner or something? I like. I, how do I? Right? Where do I send my application in? Because like, fuck this. Let's <laughs> this is so boring. And so then I read these characters in these books that are like, oh no, that's bad. It's like, girl, fucking come on. We know in three chapters you're gonna be in like Flynn. So just right? stop the charade <laughs> and just just have fun. That's the whole thing, though, because, like, the girl, like, that's the bullshit programming of, like, we're just innocent girls. We're <laughs> 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 little girls that just don't know how to do anything. Have you guys read um, A Court of Thorn and Roses by Sarah J. Mass? No. Okay, Rachel, particularly, I need you to read this shit. <laughs> there's, there's three series that she's written, and they actually all correlate with each other. So, like... The at one point they're all gonna the are all gonna intersect, but um, I've heard several interpretations. So they're they're romance books, like fantasy romance books, high fantasy romance Ooh. books. Um, it's about fae, it's about magic, it's Stop. humans breeding with fae. Like it's okay. all all the good notes we love in a good fantasy romance. And there's a huge subtext of overcoming colonialism and kind of what the roads are that we take Ooh. into through and out of it and so that's wow. why there's like the three series Damn. and um just woven into some yeah some romance magic okay totally and so the way she uses the tropes and everything in the book so like i i've read a lot of shit and so shit can be pretty predictable this is the one series that has consistently fucked my brain over and over and over and over like every single chapter i'm like i would have never in a hundred fucking million years guessed this oh um oh shit okay it to a, one of my other friends that i recommended it to had the plot guessed in three chapters and I'm like, you so need to fuck off because like <laughs> it's unguessable and she's like oh no it's gonna like be like this and i was like we're not even friends anymore like, <laughs> never mind <laughs> You're supposed to fuck your brain. Yes. But anyways, it is it is a really good book. And there is this whole subtext because apparently Sarah J. Mass is a religious studies major. And so she has this all like is mapped to oh. religious. And there's a lot of religious symbology within the books on their own. Um, and so it's 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 fascinating. It's a good, sexy, fun romp. And then also when you like reread on the purpose of like finding the deeper meanings, it there's a lot to find in there. And so 
that's one of my favorite fucking favorite things ever is finding the like spiritual and deep meanings behind something seemingly fluffy. Yeah. Um, and that kind of thing. And this book delivers, delivers. That sounds like an adventure I need to go down. So mm-hmm. adventure time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you like, do you like the soft romantic novels? Like the, the, I just got, back from Tuscany <laughs> I can't I can't do novels like that my novels need to be a little harder uh, yeah. but movies I do love a good romance movie I have to be in such a specific mood to enjoy like a, a real romance movie and I also have to be alone because yeah. I will for sure get turned on it's just impossible tears yeah tears and turn on <laughs> that's how it goes that's yes. how it happens. 100%. But yeah, no, the the novels, because I, no, I, like, I don't, I read a novel to let my imagination run free mm-hmm. and to have my own visuals yeah. for things. And so, you know, so that needs to be more descriptive. Um, but the movies, I'm, movies, I, I'm just generally, whenever I watch a movie, I'm generally always evaluating the set dresser and the, like, the set designer's yeah. choices of yeah. their life. Um and evaluating the cinematographer's choices. And so. <laughs> I'm, every time you watch a movie? Oh, almost every time. Yeah. Dang, bro. It's like working. It is. <laughs> I mean, it is, but that's also how I have fun. So like. Fair enough. Fair enough. The I rewatched Twilight a couple times recently. And the more that I rewatch it, the more that I'm like, oh, this is actually just art. Like they were not attempting to make a like commercial movie this is very much like a piece of art that is like not meant to be understood kind of thing Mm. and when I look at it from that lens it's really enjoyable it's really fucking enjoyable and I was like I did not expect this I haven't been able to watch Twilight again I tried once and then I saw his face and I was like it's just like just no (laughs) The more With that like, I watch it, the more the that I sparkling in the eyes, I'm like, like I can't, and like Bella with the, like I can't. I just... The costume designer needed to be fired, particularly in Eclipse. Um, but the the more that I watch it, the more that I just fucking appreciate the shit out of Kristen Stewart, um, and how much she's actually a fucking brilliant actress. Um, because <laughs> right after I make fun of it, oh my gosh. But but the thing is, is that it's so expertly crafted mm-hmm. because it's she's supposed to be like that, right. and so and her the pitch of her voice changes throughout the series, and like her body language and everything changes throughout the series. Like it's so, it's, it's such conscious, serious acting and like seeing interviews and stuff between Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart and the way that they both act and the, like the method that which they act and that kind of thing. Like it was just taken so seriously. And like, do I advocate for Twilight? Fuck no. Do I think the Twilight is a good or sensible book or plot or no it's absolute fucking garbage absolute garbage um i would much rather read about the demon of death fucking a maiden like hello but um because that makes so it's so much more logical that's just it's so much more realistic obviously um like the hunger games that's like my go-to when i'm like i need my brain to stop being a brain 
I watched. Guardians good. I also love Divergent. Oh, oh, I that's so that's so funny. I was gonna reference Divergent earlier. I was gonna ask oh, the you guys to, that too. Just because mm-hmm. of like, yeah, we were talking about like uh, tools, and they went through that rigorous like training ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to visit the set of that movie too. It was pretty. Fuck off! Oh my god, say more. Rachel Louise. It's, it's as I live and breathe. Um, my uh, yeah, my my ex fiance was a key was a key grip. So, um, I stopped by. They didn't shoot the, they didn't shoot all movies here. They shot just portions of it. And um, yeah, there was one where they were at Navy Pier and they had made it into just like a complete destruction. And yeah, I uh, mm-hmm. I visited on the set of that it was pretty it's pretty awesome damn dude that's you so cool the fall? like the place where they have to fall in no i, you know I mean? yeah he i think he took some photos of that that was pretty insane and i think the stunt people were were having quite the fall like that woof i was being afraid of heights i was like that would take a lot of money for me to jump into that, <laughs> that pit. Do that. Yeah, they get paid a lot of money to jump into. The they do. Yeah, they that. do get paid. It would take it would take five dollars for me to jump into a pit like this. <laughs> oh Raise your I pit. I would probably rate. do it for free. <laughs> Raise that pit oh, rate. <laughs> if it was a balls, if it was Ooh, a ball plastic. Pit? That would have to be like forty-five <laughs> feet deep. <laughs> be so to awesome. like. I know, like with foam, maybe like foam and plastic balls. Because oh, those that, plastic, no, would I would way like, rather fall into a net. <laughs> oh my god, well, you'd be suffocated. You'd fall into the foam and never know how to get out. Whew. That would be. I think it could be fun though if it was just if it was mixture, okay, of plastic <laughs> balls like at the play pit. Lauren, close your face. I'm like, my, now, okay, now my now my chest is like, uh, I'm like, the jump, no problem. Falling into a net, no problem. I think I'm going to fall so into it. something opaque and like with relative solidity, absolute fuck no. I would jump into water. I would jump into water oh, off of sure. a 45 water. foot Definitely. thing. No problem yeah. at all. But like the opacity of it, nope. That's true. I mean, it just feels like... <laughs> It could be cool. <laughs> you should check out one of the uh, the trampoline parks where they have foam foam pits. That's what oh, I yeah. was thinking of. Yeah, but if you yeah if you fall too far in there, then you're you are digging yourself out, and the foam oh, no. is all hot and huh, yeah. And like sticky. you start panicking a little bit. Yeah, you're like, you start- I should hit the top by now, man. Yeah. <laughs> gymnastics teacher being like just jump jump babe i always thought the foam pit in gymnastics was full of spiders um why Ooh. it just looks oh like a natural God. habitat for spiders doesn't it i bet i bet there was some spiders like all the ripped foam and stuff right like it that just that looks like sense. maybe like right for a spider um, so like naturally that lasted for a year and then i played hockey so <laughs> there's no spiders in a hockey rink <laughs> That'd be really funny if there was, though. There's obviously shitloads in the dressing rooms, but, you know. 
Oh my gosh. So so it's interesting that you bring up Divergent actually, because the, that's one thing, one of my other friends and I talk about that all the time with how, um, like the premise in Divergent, right. Is that there are like four people, there's like kind of four ways of being, you can Mm. correlate to like your elements. Right. Yeah. Um, or through which they do explicitly relate to the elements actually. And then, um, there being this kind of fifth way that integrates all of that and that that is the one that will save society. And so it's one of the things that my friend and I talk about often is how using these spiritual tools and using these spiritual gifts and that kind of thing really is, it's like acting like this divergent, right? Because you're seeing things and connecting things Mm -hmm. from across ranges that people keep very separate and that people keep very, um, you know, they keep, keep very separate and so um meld <laughs> therein lies the word it's so meld. true also we have it's a safety thing you know we have to you have your the way you are at home and then you know we put on the clothes that uh we feel good with and we put on the makeup and everything and like we're just bred to have everything so compartmentalized and like this is only allowed to be in this category and don't you dare shift over or meld the two together because you might you know lose this it's like the more congruent you get with yourself you have this threat of losing community of losing relationship with each other which is just absolute bullshit but also our little ones inside are so scared of that but the more that we do it the more that we just like chance it and like just take a chance. It 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 works out in our favor. It really does. Like meld is such a beautiful word. Damn, Lauren. God damn it. Feel free to use it as a benchmark. <laughs> AKA copy it. Yeah, it's it is that fear of like if we integrate all these parts, then you know we won't be accepted by, you know, whoever or family acquaintances, coworkers. And then I think as you integrate more, meld more, and then you get older, it's just, you're like, okay, so I might lose some people, you know, and it's, it's a very painful process, but you, it's like a self betrayal if you don't. So it's, it's tough. Yeah. I think too, um, I think the underlying story below all of that is that this belief that we are simply the sum of our parts Mm. and that if we let go of a part, we will be less, there will be less of us overall. That like, you know, you're, you are true. You know, it's not just that you're losing a relationship or you're losing whatever it's that you're losing a part of yourself that you'll never get back. Yeah. And which is obviously a dangerous story to hold because I mean, as we've discovered through our own practices and tools and that kind of thing, there is so much more to living and life than existing. There's mm-hmm. there's that mm-hmm. other unquantifiable peace, which may actually be peace. And um the right <laughs> and <laughs> it's all making sense now. <laughs> Right, I think I've I've just noticed that in a few other places in life recently, where like, oh, it's like, oh, you think you're just the sum of your parts, or like that's a that's a zero sum game, right? That like people keep imagining, and it's like, but it's so not. Yeah, 
like just the parts they can see or the parts that they've deemed. Well, this is, I can only fit into this much. (laughs) Yeah. And this is what I have to figure it out. And it's, it's so, it's so confining. But like you said, if we let it go or rather actually, I feel like when you come out of, when you start coming out of separation, it does feel like you're letting it go, like you're losing a part of yourself. Mm -hmm. But in reality, you're making space for yourself. You're letting the space grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger because the truth is the space is endless. It's limitless. Damn. Yes. And the part that you're letting go is the mental construction you've Mm -hmm. used of yourself in order to gain validation or whatever feeling it is that you're looking for in life. And when you lose that mental construction that you think you need in order to receive whatever, you're able to actually just feel whatever the whatever is that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And, And so you're losing the known aspect of that feeling and you just gain that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. You no longer need the filter, the translation. It's just, it just is. Damn, witches. We be yeah. <laughs> We went there. We did. We did. <laughs> Thank you so much, ladies, for going there with me today and mm-hmm. taking this wild journey with me. I appreciate your giggles and your insights and all of the above for today. Thank Aww. you. <laughs> Thank you for creating this uh, safe space to exist like this. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's not a, not currently accepted everywhere, so it's not like a Visa card or anything. But uh, we're getting there. <laughs> no, this is a Amex Black card here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, ladies, for t- joining me on this journey and for going there on all these conversations. Um, And thank you to all of our listeners for going with us on this journey and for being open to all of these conversations. Mm -hmm. It's so much fun having these conversations and it's so much fun being able to share them with you. Um, We look forward to seeing you next week for more conversations with friends on Casually Profound.